teams that you want to learn from. Um, and you want to learn how to win um, against teams that play this way. And I think it's a good chance for us to kind of, you know, watch some video, talk about what we need to do better. And you know, I mean, next time we come up against a team that plays as tight as they do, um, we've got to be better prepared. Like it's the NHL, every team's going to go through stuff like this. You, you got to push through it. You got to find a way. So there's no excuses tonight. You got to find a way. There's things that we could have done better. Uh, sometimes you're, sometimes you really, you really have your A game. Everything's clicking. Sometimes you're. You're, you know, you got lots of energy, but you're not sharp with the puck and you got to adapt and adjust your game. Sometimes you don't have energy, so you, you know, you need to be better in different ways. Your special teams need to carry it. Find a way. Don't find an excuse. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Uh, Maple Leafs going as the invisible man for Halloween. That's very funny. All that's, of them. That's good. Good yeah, job by you. Thank you. That was Morgan <laughs> Riley. That was Sheldon Keefe. Still learning how to win this team is, Brent. Did you know that? Still lots of lessons to be learned. We're now almost a decade into this thing. Still learning. Lesson, I get it. It's, it's game nine. Still learning. Lessons learned per 60 are back. I, I thought that was a, <laughs> man, it really is a throwback. Uh, I thought that was like two, three years ago. We didn't even learn lessons learned last year. We weren't even doing that. Man, that was, uh, that was as frustrating as an experience as well. I mean, you heard everybody at Scotiabank. They were frustrated. We're all frustrated watching it. Yeah, not uh, not the result the Leafs wanted. Far from it. I was going to build up to that, right? Yeah. At the end of the second period and, and the booing mm-hmm. that, that was heard at Scotiabank yeah. Arena. At least uh, scored no five-on-five five goals, by the way. If you're maybe waking up, didn't watch the game. Uh, lose 4-1 to mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Kings, who are a good team, have real, real good center depth. They're, they're a good team. Yes. They've been... Load to keep the puck out of the back of their net for the majority of the season. A lot of that is Phoenix Copley, who was not starting yesterday. So Cam Tablet's been much better. But yeah, this is a team that has allowed its fair share of goals against, uh, not against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, by the way, now have been outscored at 5-on-5 five five for the season. 17-14, the Leafs have, have watched more goals enter their net at even strength uh, than scored. So... I, I do think one of the big conversations today is going to be about the fan reaction in game nine. Mm-hmm. And it is game nine. And ultimately, this team will be judged on how it performs during the postseason. Holy cow, is there so much tut-tutting, though, right? The, 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 I... Tut-tutting of the fans. Yes. Mm. There is this, for, for some reason, belief that because it is game nine, because this team has accomplished lots during the regular season, by which I mean they've made the playoffs and they've mm-hmm. set franchise records for points during a season in which the three-point game exists, yep. that for some reason we were allowed to just slough off a performance like we saw yesterday against a good team, a good Kings team because they took seven of, seven, uh, seven of ten points mm-hmm. on the road. For some reason that absolves this Leafs team of putting forth an acceptable effort through... 60 minutes. I, I, I don't get it. For me, the the only people keeping this team accountable are the fans. This is a team that wanted to bring Kyle Dubas back yesterday because, well, this was he was offered a contract extension before he had even won his mm-hmm. first postseason series in, in a half decade. I had no problem with the fan reaction to the performance they were watching yesterday. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you you pay a ticket. You're allowed to do what you want short of throwing stuff on the ice. And again, we've had the conversation. Uh, it's it's almost like driving. Every person going slower than you, you're like, come on, speed it up. What's going on? Every person going faster than you, you're like, whoa, whoa, slow down there, speed demon. That's everyone's different line in terms of things fans are allowed to yell. Like, we all have our line, whatever it is for you. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need to get there for this conversation. But... 
I don't have a problem with the fans doing it, but I also can live in a world where I say, okay, it's nine games into the season. It's maybe a touch early to be booing your team off of the ice, but they're fans. They paid for their ticket. They're allowed to do that. And, and you're allowed to expect more of your team than, you know, the thing that it's funny, the thing that actually surprised me was not the reaction to the booing. It was the reaction to the game in general. I heard from everybody afterwards. And I don't mean everybody to mean the players, just everybody who writes about, talks about this team of immediately, well, it's the first game back after a long road trip. It is Halloween after all. We don't have to bend over backwards to explain away a loss that looked the way he did. They're, they can go back. They go to Boston on Thursday. They get it back with a strong effort. We never have to talk about this game again. Sure. This is where I think it's concerning is if you have building narrative of this stuff, but the one-off game like that, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too worked up about it one way or another, quite honestly. And I love to press the panic button with this team, but I'm Nobody's not Nobody's pressing the panic button, but I am like the, the Dabo Sweeney comments mm-hmm. are almost rattling around in my head. He's talking about, Oh, too, too much expectation here. Not enough appreciation. Right. Like, right. <laughs> And he's won two championships. Yeah, yeah. different deal yeah. with the Clemson Tigers as opposed to this Toronto Maple Leafs team that hasn't won a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. since 1967, you hasn't think. appeared in a Stanley Cup final uh, since then, mm-hmm. and has done like almost nothing mm-hmm. during a tenure in which they've had the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League over an almost ten year period. So yep. yeah, no, no, you 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 don't. There's no. There's no appreciation factor here in in the way the fans should be reacting to a performance like that yesterday. It was awful. You're right. Hey, bounce back on Thursday against a Bruins team that hasn't lost in regulation without Charlie McAvoy, by mm-hmm. the way, for four games. He's yes. been suspended as we anticipated. It was like, oh, man, I wish there were odds on how on, on betting on how long that suspension was going to be because <laughs> it felt like four games was the the obvious landing sure point somebody would have given it to you yeah because i mean it wasn't gonna be over five because it was uh, not an in-person hearing but yeah they'll be without charlie mcavoy on thursday uh, all right let's talk about this this game i guess yeah it's garbage it was not good no it was not <laughs> i mean i, I do want to i do want to just double back to the idea of the reaction of it and the fans again you're you're allowed to boo however you want i i cannot get over the because coming into this season what was i mean there was a lot of topics of conversation but one of them was the Toronto Maple Leafs are just a regular hockey team now. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, when I saw them getting booed off the ice in the ninth game of the season, when they're in the spot they're at, I'm like, okay, no, it's still not a regular hockey team because whatever a regular hockey team to you is in the NHL, they're not getting booed off the ice until mm-hmm. it's what's happening in Edmonton and Alberta. Those guys weren't getting booed off the ice because they had a bad second period against a really good team. They got booed off the ice when they had proven to be mm-hmm. abject failures to that point in the season. So that was honestly where my mind's went, my mind went with yeah. it. I don't begrudge them. They mm-hmm. can boo all they want, but that was not the reaction of a quote-unquote regular fan base to a regular hockey team, in now, my opinion. This sounds very close to tut-tutting. Like you're, like, you're like on the tut-tut of the, of, of the ledger oh, here, Put it this way. I'm not going to do any tut-tutting, but if someone else oh wants God. to today, you know what? I'm I, shocked. I, I would sit here and go, yeah, it's not a bad I, take. I, no, I, I am a little bit shocked at, at your reaction. To, I know you are. To, to I got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, the fans' displeasure yesterday. It's I, I, I don't think the fans that were booing thought that, hey, this is well, this team's a write-off for no. this season. This nope. team's been an abject. How about just disappointed with the totally. performance? Hey, like just string together. You know what? So the, the the one argument is it's game nine. How can you be booing your t- team off yep. the ice in game nine? The other side of that is also it's game nine. Like, can, it you, can you yep. put together like a bunch of high-level performances, mm-hmm. a lot of big efforts be before nice 
the midway point in the season before you start taking your foot off the gas a little bit because you've established yourself in the Eastern Conference playoffs? Look at the Atlantic Division. It's mm-hmm. it's The possibility exists you're going to be battling for a playoff spot until the end of the season. Yeah, no. I had no problem with it and, in fact, thought it was like a, a nice little reminder to this group that there's you haven't done anything. You, there is no appreciation yet. You have not established yourself as a team that is is immune from from occasionally feeling the wrath of the fans. No, they're they're not immune from it at all. Although, oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to I come on here and try to be honest every day. So oh. I'm just going to say it. If you can find it in you to get that worked up after two periods of not great hockey, and it was not great hockey, then you should find it in you to get worked up when the starter, when the lineup of your team is being announced on opening night, or when you do not need to be coaxed and caught. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? Everybody, everybody in the building stands up when Ryan Reeves punches somebody in the face. Everybody mm. in the building, you know, <laughs> gets on their feet when John Tavares scores or William Nylander scores. Okay, it's great. It's well good. Brent Gunning can, hates the fans. No, I don't. I'm just saying, if you can find it in... And, I, buddy, I'm the king of this. I find so much energy every day to be negative about a million things. But it's like, <laughs> be positive about something. That's a little harder. I'm just saying, if you can find it in you for that, maybe find it in you on the other side, outside of the big, easy pop moments. Well done. Uh, the official score of finding that second assist for William Nylander. It's really uh, well done. I, Magnifying <laughs> glass. <laughs> okay. Sure. I, I mean, here's the thing. William Nylander... Obviously, the Leafs' best player yesterday. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! There's a couple of times every single game, and and definitely yesterday, where some potential highlight reel goals being being scored by him. Um, he didn't end up scoring, and was not a major factor on the John no. Tavares nice power play tonight. But he does extend the point streak yep. to to nine games, a, a franchise record to to start the season. Again, he's been Leafs' best player this season, and and now it's like. We're, we're, we're talking about Austin Matthews not having a five-on-five goal since game two of the season. That's a problem. That's, I think that top line has got some issues right now, Brent. Yeah, it's concerning. I mean, and I'll just get this out of the way because I had to go look at this because I don't, I don't, I, I typically like to form my opinion and then go to the nerd stats to have them backed up. Mm-hmm. The nerd stats love that line last night. They're like, oh, expected goals for, expected differential. Great. What, the top line? Yeah, the top, well... And sorry, in this show's parlance, the the top line in name only yeah. uh, with Matthews and Marner right now, they're just not. They are they're generating looks. They're having positive shifts, but it is not the. Think about how many times this season or in playoffs past, the Leafs have been dealing with a forward line, and you go, "Oh God, it's them coming over the boards again." Do you think that any? fan base forget about the players because obviously the players are far more in tune to this stuff but any opposing fan base has watched this outside of montreal and minnesota going oh my god it's austin matthews he just hasn't looked quite that way and again we did this all last year that's not to say he's not a good player that's not to say he's not being effective i'll say the exact same thing about marner he just hasn't popped in the way you would expect a player of that ilk to pop and this is the whole point the whole point of having four guys like this as opposed to just one or two is that you can afford a what's now been a seven, eight game stretch where those guys haven't been at their best and other people have been carrying the mail, but it's time for those guys to kind of pick up the slack. Cause yeah, the five on five goals is one way to stand it out, but just the eye test, you see it. They are not the, the terrifying kind of whirling dervish that we've seen from them in the past. No, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi and John Tavares and William Nylander. That was, that was a line that create. I mean, they created a chance right out of the gate. First shift of the game. Yep. They were, they were really good. That was the, the best, line the Leafs had 
yesterday, and, and nobody's concerned about Austin Matthews, but that is that's jarring, right? Like, and you you take away, and you can't because he did like factually score a couple of hat tricks to start the season, but yeah, you that 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 takes a lot of the attention away from the subsequent seven games in in which it just hasn't been there for him. And we'll play the the Mitch Marner clip later on in in the show about him feeling like he he needs to be more of a shot threat. There's four straight games where he has had one shot on goal. Total. Mm. One shot on goal. This is a guy that's obviously looking to distribute, and why wouldn't you with the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League on your line? He's also scored 35 goals in a season before. It's yep. just, I, I mean, yeah, the disappearing act. So let me let me pose this to you then. How much of it do you look at? I mean, obviously, I think we both agree that, yes, the bulk of it is on those two, but how much do you look at it and say they misjudged the fit that anybody on the left side would be on that line, be it Domi, be it Bertuzzi, be it Yarncroc now. Uh, Nyes is the guy who I think a lot of people maybe expected to get some burn there, hasn't really happened yet. Like how much of it is that the Leafs underestimated how important it is to have the right guy in that spot? I, I look at it as a small piece of the puzzle, but it still goes back to Marner and Matthews just have to be better. Yeah, I mean... It, it's it, it obviously hasn't been plug and play, and maybe you you shouldn't view it as plug and play because it hasn't been plug and play. It wasn't plug and play with Tyler Bertuzzi. I think most the people do the season. though. Yeah, it's it just hasn't been right. It, it like even two bu- guys basically. Yeah, Hyman and Bunting. Yeah, and it was it was Bunting not to start the season. Like the Bunting had to to find his way into mm-hmm. that role, and then excelled in that role. And Tyler Bertuzzi seemed like an obvious fit, and he hasn't been an obvious fit. It is, it's underratedly, well, not underratedly important. I think people understand how important it is. It's underratedly difficult to, to find exactly who the right fit is on, on that top line. And not by Brent Cutting, who has been, who is ringing this alarm bell the moment you let Michael Bunting walk away mm-hmm. and understood that, you know, long-term commitment, maybe that was not going to happen, but just there's been way more guys that have failed in that spot than have succeeded here. I mean, Richie, Thornton, mm-hmm. seen it with Bertuzzi, it hasn't really worked, like, Go ahead, run down the list of guys that have tried in that spot. It really just is the worker B type that has succeeded there. It really hasn't been. And it's odd because Yarncroc should be that. He's not quite the same player as Hyman or Bunting. And those guys are different players too. But. And they have experience. And, and I know it doesn't sound amazing, but like the, the numbers were pretty mm-hmm. remarkable when he was was on that top line a season ago. Like he's had oh, good Kroc. success. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has. Yeah. So that's why I don't think that there's a problem with them doing that. But it's also, it also isn't lost on me that, and, you know, I don't know what else I'm asking Sheldon Keefe to do here, but that he's kind of got one move when the when the team's not working. Nylander uh, up top. Yeah. And he did that to start the yeah. second period. And again, I don't, good. I don't know what else he's supposed to do, right? Like, Nylander is the best player on the team. or He's not the best player on the team, but he is the player having the best season so far as a Leaf. He is the Leaf playing the best hockey mm. right now. I almost said it. I yeah. almost did. I'm not going to. <laughs> At least not until he puts pen to paper, and then it can never be used against uh, against the Leafs. But the... I understand that, but it just seems like so often that is all Keefe is able to do. And I look at that as a bit of a criticism of roster construction. Yes, of course, every team in the world will load up a top line to get themselves going when they haven't had it. But a lot of teams also have a third line you can throw over and say, all right, just go out there and run around. Can you give me, can you give me an old-fashioned Jordan 2-2 at the World Junior Shift, please? 
other teams have built momentum off lines like that. The Leafs have tried to have something like that with a Reeves fourth line, but it's never really stuck. And again, I don't look at that as any one criticism of any of those players. It's it's kind of how the pieces all fit together for me. Well, at times we've, all, we've also seen Marner and Matthews broken up. And yep. and I, I know you don't want to mess with what's happening on that second line. That's the thing. With Tavares and Nylander, but... Something's good. Like we're not the sample's growing, right? Like this is this is not just a couple of games here. This is, this is a whole lot of not much happening five on five between Marner and Matthews. And it's not to say that you won't go back to them. Like this is, yeah, we we we've seen this playbook before. I, I that's is it, why is it that point? You know what? I do wonder if that's why Keith, if a small not a small part of Keith, when he looked at the game sheet, he went ah. They gave Nylander a second assist on mm-hmm. that. I can't. The point streak's still going. All right. I mean, one that more was game. On the power play too, I, I know, but I honestly do think <laughs> he looks at that and goes, they're both riding point streaks. They're the only two guys I got going right now. I, I cannot split them up because we've seen this before where you say, ah, both these guys are going well. The winger and the center on the other line both need help. Why don't you just flip them? And then everything goes to hell where you lose the magic that was there and it doesn't get implanted implanted on the other guy. So that I, I'd be, he- I'm, I wouldn't be hesitant to do it, but I bet Keith is waiting for the second, that point streak snaps mm-hmm. for, for, um for Nylander to get flipped up with Matthews because we've, they all work together when it doesn't work. We get so bogged down in, Oh, how many conversations we have, but Nylander and Tavares just does not work. We've seen this movie before. It does not work. Yeah, when it's not going, it looks like these guys have never met each other before, let alone don't have chemistry with each other. But they all have had long, successful stints. I mean, John Tavares' most successful goal-scoring campaign came riding shotgun with Mitch Marner. Nylander and Matthews have been great together at times. They all fit together. So I really do think once the once the point streak comes to a close that you'll, you'll see him. I, I'd be looking to do it already on Thursday. The winning streak ended for Joseph Wall, and I think that opens the door for well, Elias Sampson off to start on Thursday. For sure. We got to and we got to talk about Wall. Like it's one game. You don't want to you don't want to make too much out of it. But that was just that was no bueno. That was not good. I mean, right, right off the hop, you have the goal that goes in off of Geo's stick where, okay, it was deflected, but I'm going to do the same rules. I'm going to do the same rules for Joe Wall. We do for, for Samson. Oh yeah, totally. Make it, make a save. You're allowed. Yeah. You, you're, you are, you are in fact allowed to, to make a save. Even if something touched the puck between you, you and your net, you look at that game last night and, you know, again, not to take anything away from the Kings team, they were full marks, but that wasn't a team that was just dangerous chance after dangerous chance after dangerous chance. It wasn't the walkway to breakaways that we've seen from this team in the past. So, yeah, it was not a good game from Wall. I think you go to Samsonov, then this allows you to go back to Wall on Saturday night mm-hmm. at home. Uh, I'm not, I think it's, we're kind of back into a hand it back and forth until somebody grabs it. And guess what? Joe Wall can grab it again on, on Saturday. Saturday when I expect he's back in there. Yeah, it's it's perfectly fine to not oh, I just Joseph Wall to start on I should, Thursday. Should look this up before I say it. Didn't he go to school in Boston? Yeah, he went to Boston yeah, College. So and I wonder we're if gonna that... talk to another goalie who went to Boston College, Corey Schneider, later on in the program. Yeah, so there is like that that appeal mm. to Massachusetts if you want to go that route. Well, it's just I mean the they've done this in the past. Like they've, they've given the net to, it's always a little different with goalies, but they've made a point of getting guys in games if they're in their hometown and stuff. But I also think you have to just make what you think is the right decision here. If you don't think wall should go, he shouldn't go just cause it's in Boston. But I also don't, 
I, I could be talked into either goalie getting the net. I would go Samsonov because I want him back in, but I don't think it's some it's some sign that the Leafs are just kowtowing to Joe Wall if they put him back in there on, no, on Thursday. I will say what it is a sign of, and it was a sign of, of how they thought about Ilya Samsonov when he opened up the season with a pretty lackluster performance mm-hmm. against the Montreal Canadiens and then got the start in game two right against back. the Minnesota Wild because he was the de facto number one at that point, despite the fact that we kind of did view this as an egalitarian setup mm-hmm. in goal to start the season. If Joe Wall, Joe Wall gets the start on Thursday against the Bruins, it does feel like it's it's more his net to lose than than a 50-50 split and whoever's the hot hand gets gets the start the next night. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to I think that's fair to say that if they go to Wall it is tipping their hand and that's what we talked about yesterday, the idea that Sheldon Keefe, he is not going to come out every day and give a state of the goaltending union to the fan base, but every single day he decides who starts, it is tipping his hand. We can read whatever we want into it because there is no obvious spot to put the other goalie in. There are no back-to-backs. This is not a busy run of hockey. For some reason, they're going to Sweden, so they have a long layoff coming up in the next month here that every decision Sheldon Keefe makes is going to be very naked and very in front of us. And quite honestly, in a market like Toronto, it's it's quite wonderful to be able to read so much into these things. Do you know how many goals five on five Ryan Reeves has been on the ice for this season? A lot. Is it? Well, oh, hold on. Here's an easier can, question. Can I do the infinite? <laughs> is it, if it's multiple choice, is one of them the infinity sign, like the sideways eight? <laughs> Some of them haven't been his fault, and no, he's just been standing. Just up. been around. And, you know, and yesterday Noah Gregor breaks his stick and is going to get another one. And it's like, everybody kind of scrambling. Yeah. Six goals against five on five. He, he's played 70, just over 70 minutes, five on five this season. So that's about what well, it is. It's uh, it's about half of the amount of time that John Klingberg's been on the ice five on five, about half the amount of time that William Nylander been on the ice five on five. And those guys have been on the ice for uh, for Klingberg, seven goals against five on five. For Nylander, uh, eight goals against five on five. But he's also been on the, the ice for, for six yeah. goals for his. It's, it's yeah, like, those guys tilt it the other way yeah, as well. Yeah, no, he's capable. Uh, Ryan Reeves has not been on the ice for a five on five goal for, which is, I'm trying to remember the Noah Gregor goal. Was he not on the ice? Uh, for it was that? a breakaway. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess. Feels like, to me like, feels uh, to me like Gregor, if I. I I do remember the goal. I can't remember yeah. what they were doing, but it feels to me like Gregor probably blows his own a touch early, and by the time he tucks it, Reeves is on the bench. <laughs> just like just the, the way hockey math works on that. A shame for him because he oh, has he needed not it. Been on the if ice I was Reeves, for a goal if, I, if I personally me, if I was Ryan Reeves and I saw my uh-huh. teammate uh, on a breakaway, I'm going to make the change. I'm uh-huh. just keeping a foot on until until that puck goes in. Yeah, it's it's down the pecking order of things to be concerned about with this Leafs team. But if you're playing such limited minutes, man, can can you not be on the ice for a goal against every single game? Seemingly, and you're playing like seven minutes. That's a lot yeah. of goals against five on five to be on the ice for. And I I don't. I'm not going to say he's not doing his job in this regard. I just don't know that it's having the effect. Do the Leafs feel like a demonstrably 
tougher, bigger, meaner, well, more grown up. You know, any of these what, things. What is his role can... yesterday? Like, right. What, who's he going to fight? Well, I they mean, made Max... a point. They made a point of saying it. They're like, D- England. England has <laughs> fought him in the past. Yeah. So maybe, and then the Kings went up. a goal scorer. Well, and the Kings go up three goals, and you're saying, why on earth would he take that fight? That no. fight was only going to happen. And it's almost like they, this went unsaid on the broadcast, but I feel like it was part of it of Lucic not lurking in the Thursday game of Reeves has got to do something here. Mm -hmm. And you brought him in to be this guy. So I don't like, I I don't even begrudge him all that much. What did you think he was going to do? There is a world where you build it up and we've had this conversation a million times and it's your Islanders fourth line. And you have two other guys who just run around and hit everything that moves. And they're out there for eight minutes of pain for the other team. That is not the case with Noah Gregor and Pontus Holmberg, okay? Who I actually like both those players. I'm totally fine with them as 12 forward options, okay? Totally fine. But it's does there's no fit at all with, with Ryan Reeves there. And again, it just goes back to what was he supposed to do here? And if if we felt like, and this is this goes to Tyler Bertuzzi a bit too as well. If we felt like the Leafs were a meaner team, a nastier team, a chirpier team then maybe we'd say, ah, okay, that is part of the Ryan Reeves DNA bleeding in elsewhere. I don't know that I've seen that either. Yeah, he scared people dressed as Mike uh, Michael Myers yesterday. Hey, by, was... by the way, mm-hmm. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but uh-huh. John Tavares not blinking or flinching and yeah. just saying, you you really scared you me there, me. Revo. It was just, <laughs> I I had a lot of takes about what a, what a vet leader, and then Marner, like, did the exact same thing. I'm yeah. like, yeah, those are complete polar opposites of just personality spectrum, and they both react the same way. Yeah, but Tomorrow's, Nylander had the best reaction. Yes, for sure. Uh, Matthews, because he is him, just uh, skirting it, and they were upset that he came in, like, a side door or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, that, that sign says I can't go in there? That's for normals. That's, it's like, that's for... That's for uh, 13 and less on the cap sheet <laughs> next year is what that's for. Uh, lastly, King Silver Helmets, yay or nay? I'm going to read to you verbatim a text I, I sent last night. Uh, I hate it. They can only wear these against Vegas after I've gone to bed is what I said. <laughs> Do you, do you co-sign this opinion? No, no I you totally like disagree. In fact, I, I love no. that. I, I, I need more Ew. different colored helmets. I need the thing that they were doing. The Swedish I, League? Yeah, the okay, Swedish I will, League. I will allow this. Please tell everyone. They also did everyone. it in the three-on-three in the three league as well where the, the, the leading scorer gets to wear a gold helmet, right? Like, so you can easily so identify. It yeah. is so good. Honestly, I'd, I'd take it further. Like, I'd have different colored. I would have, yeah, an ultimate gold helmet for the league leader in points, but also each individual no, team no. having their own. Here's what I will hear. Here's here's different colored helmet. I am out on that. League leader can have a gold helmet. I'll, I'll allow that. I will also allow whoever we deem to have the heavyweight championship belt at oh. any time. You see these on like kids bike helmets now mm. where it looks like a guy with like a yeah, mohawk? sick mohawk yes. or something that that guy can have <laughs> that helmet. That yeah. doesn't. Well, they're like plastic or whatever. They're like, Still. I'm just saying. That <laughs> guy can wear that. Oh, they're plastic. Wow, yeah. that changes well, it's like everything. A, like a Nerfy. Pla- okay. Like, I don't know. It's like, a not... cu- it's like a Kush ball, okay? Okay, Nerf. Yeah. yeah but Nerf Mohawk. Okay. What I would say is that I'd also allow that because I do, even my hockey sensibilities, I go, ah, one guy, mm-hmm. if it's just McDavid <laughs> cruising around in a gold bucket. <laughs> but the problem with that is, is that some 
Neanderthal would just short circuit. Like, I'm surprised it doesn't happen to the Kings every time they play, where mm. some Neanderthal just short circuits and goes, mm-hmm. I, have, I just have to McSorley this guy. I have to. Sorry. Like, I don't even want to, but I have to. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, it very much offends my hockey sensibilities, and yeah, I've seen white gloves, silver helmets, white gloves, fine. I actually love the rest of the getup. I the I I just I can't with a shiny helmet. Mm. It it irks me to no end. The, the the advertisers on the helmets must be perturbed by that. Like it, it you know really, what I, you cannot see it. I don't know who it is, but if I were them, it should be like a paint company or something, or like a car wrap company or yeah. something along those lines of like. Do good you call. want your car to look this good or however. like this? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I, guess I don't know, man. I, like, you're saying you like it. You yeah. defend it. I did not. I like it. I am 87. I like, oh. I like things that look different. I actually, I missed I, the I don't preface. like it. When, you know, okay, an original six team messing with their getup to to a degree like that. Like I'd have problems okay, with. You know what? Let's just go all the way. And I'm sure you're going to be like, okay, cool. Do that. They should just not be, they should not be the black and silver kings anymore then. They should be the purple and yellow kings and they should have those mm-hmm. color of chrome helmets with the purple and yellow. If you're going to go all out, go all out. Kings purple no, and think, yellow getups are great. Now, if you're going to have chrome, you got to be silver or like the Golden Knights do with the gold. Like I don't, what, so like a yellow chromey hel- yeah, helmet? No, or oh, that's purple. bad. Okay, that's, that's no, the no, line. That's... Yeah, no, Right. It's, to- it's totally not bad looking at chrome flying around on ice. I feel like I was having a seizure watching that game. <laughs> I thought they looked nice. Good. I'm happy for you. They played nicely as Maybe well. Maybe I'd feel differently about this if it was 4-1 the other way. And I said, yeah. Oh, it's nice for them. Congratulations to, to you, Phil Deneau, who again showed your dominance over uh, this Toronto Maple Leafs team and, and able to, to to shut them down and score a goal yourself. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Kings who played a pretty pitch-perfect road game for 60 minutes. Uh, Leafs next up against the division-leading Bruins on Thursday. Coming up next, Raptors in Milwaukee tonight. Is Pascal Siakam's Raptors legacy on the line in the next couple of months? We'll discuss next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 59 the Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. I love when the stars align like they do this week where you mm. get... Leafs game? Oh. Raptors game? Okay. Yeah. Leafs game? Yes. No overlap. Like, nope. that's, that's lovely. That is that is glorious, glorious stuff. Uh, Raptors in Milwaukee to play the Bucks tonight with Dame Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. DeAndre Ayton had, like, a, a thousand rebounds mm-hmm. uh, for the Portland Trailblazers. How many will Giannis get tonight? Uh, we're about to find out. So here are the, the ranks for the Raptors per game. Uh, in points, they are dead last. Oh, okay. Field goal percentage feels like it to be actually that feels better than what you would have asked me. If you would have asked me, I would have said they would have been thirty seventh in in that stat because that's how bad it's been to watch them play off. And not to spoil later on in the program, <laughs> but the wake and rake is fast approaching. I, I, I think everybody knows uh, our favorite the uh, little wager to make yeah, when it comes to the rap. Take my mortgage payment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, field goal percentage, they're fourth last. 
Yeah, even free throw percentage. A lot of this is Jakob Pertl. Mm-hmm. You don't think of this team as being a poor free throw shooting team, although that is the reason they didn't advance beyond the play-in tournament game against the Chicago Bulls. They're fifth last. So, again, this team can talk about the vibes being different and mm-hmm. that being a reason why you're going to see an, an improvement. Um, the personnel being the same would lead me tough. to believe that we're going to see, hey, some victories. Um, more than we've seen, obviously. We've only seen one. Mm. They should have beaten the Chicago Bulls. They could have beaten the Portland Trailblazers if they didn't shoot like 10% from yep. three. Again, by percentage, that was their second worst three-point shooting game in the history of the franchise. They're going to pick up victories because they have a high effort level on defense. Mm-hmm. And eventually, shots are going to drop at a higher rate than they have. But that's that's what we saw a season ago. It was good for 41 wins a season ago. It, it I have no reason to believe that there is going to be a market improvement on what we saw a season ago. Said it before, and I will say it again. The two most important pieces of the puzzle do not fit together. Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, there is a ton of overlap in what they do. They do not necessarily fit together in terms of the places they like to operate on the floor, and you can try to fix a lot of things around it and be a team that has a ton of effort on defense and all of that will get you to a certain place. But like we said, it's going to be right around that 40 win mark and they might have a week where some shots are dropping and you could talk yourself into 45, 46. There are going to be weeks that look like that Portland game where it's not the case. And you're going to say, Oh my goodness, how are they going to even get to 36, 37? This is a team that will go on streaky runs and we're going to see it. And again, it just, it seems like we are at this tap dancing place with this team until they make a trade. But I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. The trade is going to happen. Okay. Here, here's what I'm willing must to trade. say. Must no, trade. I'm, ben Ennis, guaranteed must trade. Well, here's what I, yeah, I, I've never done it before. No, you should. I, there is a, a guaranteed trade that will take place before the deadline. Uh, Pascal Siakam is not going to be a Toronto Raptor by the end of the season. By game 82, he will have moved on to greener pastures. But that's a long ways from now. The trade deadline's in February. It's mm-hmm. now November. So there's lots to play out here. And despite the fact that he has been the poster boy for selfish play, mm-hmm. Masai Ujiri's words, not mine, twice, right? Masai Ujiri had plenty of time to walk that thing back months yep. and months and months during the offseason to say uh, at his first media availability with this new mm-hmm. roster, new in quotation marks, I mean, Grady Dick and – yeah and Dennis Schroeder and the new head coach to, to say, hey, I know I said selfishness. I didn't really mean, no, he said, yeah, again, selfish play. And the proof is in the pudding. The contract extension not offered to Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. this offseason. This guy's a pending unrestricted free agent. Pascal Siakam's going to be headed elsewhere. That's not a guy that you're going to give a max extension to considering where you are in the history of your franchise. He's going to be traded to a contender. Like that's, so we're playing out the string here with Pascal Siakam. He is a part of that 2019 championship run. He's a 27th overall pick that turned himself into a multiple time all-star and a second team all NBA guy. Is there anything that can happen here in the coming months? Because it is going to be months, Mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of games still on a crappy Raptors team that Pascal Siakam is going to have to play. Is there anything that can happen here that would impact his Raptors legacy? And to that point, like, what is his Raptors legacy at this point? 
I don't think there's anything that can change because I don't, one, I don't think you can do this level of work in two to three months. And I also don't know that he already isn't this type of guy. But if, you know, it feels to me like the legacy that is going to come out of just Pascal Siakam in this kind of tenure is, okay, what does Scotty Barnes have to say about Pascal Siakam when Pascal Siakam's not on this team? If Grady Dick develops into the player you want him to be do we hear stories about man spicy p really took me under his wing when i first came in and like for all we know that this is happening i'm not begrudging siakam saying he's not doing those things but i think it's those kinds of things i mean yeah he can have a couple 50 point games and he's in the terrence ross club and hey that's fun for him but does it change his legacy or where he stands on the pecking order or mount rushmore or however you want to look at these things for me i just i can't see it outside of him and again we, this is not going to happen because we've seen him try put this team on his back and drag them to respectability single-handedly in the east and even that, I think the people who love him already will love him for that. But the distractors will say, great, you're the best player on the team and you got them to respectability in the East. So to me, his legacy feels very baked in with the exception of maybe the, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm just missing it. But, you know, when we think of Kyle Lowry, there's so many moments that stand out. But the one that always jumps out to me is there was a game against the Mavericks right before Christmas one year, and everybody was out of the lineup. And it was just Kyle Lowry and the bums. They were down 20 points in the yes. first quarter. They came back and won. And it was an incredible. Uh, they were down like 40 yeah, points that's right. in that it was, game. It was an incredible comeback. I didn't want to overstate it because it's bad. If you say, like, 40 points in this No, but 20, it, li- yeah, it literally was like... It one was, of the biggest it, it comebacks. 30. Yeah, it was remarkable. And that is one of the moments I'll think of with Lowry, outside of the chip, outside mm-hmm. of all the other stuff. And I don't know that Siakam has had a ton of those moments. So maybe these one or two little crystallizing things, but in terms of changing it one way or another, I, I don't think it does. Does it for you? No, I will say... The, the, okay, so there's the play that that is selfish. It, again, not my words. Masai Ujiri yeah. saying that guy was looking for a shot too much. He, mm-hmm. he was in isolation. He was running his own offense when there was maybe an edict to be more of a free-flowing offense a season ago. Yeah. I think what we're learning this year is that, yeah, that is quite often the best uh, way the Raptors can create offense. It's not a great way mm-hmm. to create offense because Pascal Siakam, not one of the elite isolation scorers in the NBA, but a whole lot better than what has happened outside of those isolation possessions for the Raptors. Like, this is a team that's scoring mm-hmm. like 80 points per 100 possessions in the half court, which is abysmal, 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 would be like all time record low in NBA history. What changes for me. And there's no indication that this is going to happen because even while the play may be selfish, she's saying the right things post-game. Totally. Like, if we start seeing visible frustration from the player, if we are seeing him being told to do something and going counter to that mm-hmm. and maybe some butting of heads between he and a player who will not be traded at the right. the deadline, who is, I think, emerging as the future face of this Raptors team in Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes. Again, like... Nothing that we've seen and no reason to believe that that is happening. Although, like, you do hear about Siakam and Nick Nurse having some mm-hmm. confrontations that perhaps did not see the light of day and, and maybe the the front-facing, smiling face of, of Pascal Siakam not being the, the true version mm-hmm. of himself. But if that starts to manifest itself publicly, that's when I think you get a a different deal here. And God forbid he 
because he knows he's going to be traded, but he ex- like accelerates that process by saying, like, obviously, I have no future here. Get me the hell out of here. Yeah, obviously, that changes things. I think he's smart enough to realize he doesn't have to say that. He's he's already it's already been determined by this team's action, mm-hmm. not giving him an extension, and by its play. I mean, only four games, but I think that's likely to continue towards the trade deadline that he will be summarily dismissed and sent elsewhere, greener pastures at the trade deadline. But if if he says, get me the hell out of here, or with his actions, mm. it's obvious that he's not pleased at the way things are playing out. That's the way I could see it changing for him. Yeah, obviously this is the the uh, the farthest possible version of this, but um, Vince Carter did that, and we have the debate. I don't know. I feel like everyone's setting their mind on it, but we still have the debate of, oh, should they welcome him back? Is he a Raptor? If he burned bridges on the way out, it would not be the case, but I just don't think he would. Look at... And again, I I always I always hate to it to seem like I'm begrudging the players so much. It's like you know I I don't hate him because I think he's the 22nd best player in the NBA or wherever you have him on your pecking order. But go look at the guys who hold out and or not hold out, but make stinks and make it known. They're not the 22nd best guys in the NBA, and maybe James Harden's not the fifth best anymore. Mm-hmm. But he was once in that circle MVP, in that club. Like, exactly. You you got to be kind of part of a pretty small special echelon before you get to start making noises like that and then not blow up back in your face. And I think he and his camp are, are totally smart to recognize that. What? Sorry, do you have something else? No, I was just going to say, yeah, it, it's a great point that he's not on that that echelon of player that can can vocalize his displeasure with the way he's being utilized. And secondarily, I was going to say, as far as, you know, the selfish play and Mm -hmm. him looking for his offense, I mean, a a lot of what took place a season ago is being viewed in different light the way these first four games have played out. Totally. One is like, hey, Malachi Flynn didn't get enough of a run last year. No, he did. He got too much, actually. uh, (laughs) (laughs) The starters played too many minutes last year. That's because the bench stinks. Uh, Pascal Siakam took too many shots in isolation. Well, that's like the the best way for this team to score. So, yeah, a lot has changed as far as a perception standpoint is concerned. Yeah, and there's obviously this is not the way you do it, but I did pull up basketball reference win shares for Raptors in terms of all-time players. And, again, this is not... That's you don't do Mount Rushmore for a franchise based off that. He's seventh. He is sandwiched between, mm-hmm. and it's funny because he is so clearly a better player than both of these guys. But man, in terms of beloved franchise figures, at six, Jose Calderon, and at uh, at eight, Amir Johnson. Like just guys who are both beloved Raptors. I mean, Calderon's on a completely mm-hmm. different planet there. But Amir Johnson was such a good soldier for such a long time. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that he's that low because I think I like. Jonas Valanciunas, more win shares as a Raptor than Pascal Siakam. Yeah. And again, that's not the way you do it, but I just think that it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people probably have him, like, we don't need to I do the where does he ask, rank. No, I, I was going to ask No, I was going to Yeah. Okay. Why, 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 why can't we do that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay. So Lowry, Lowry is clear as day. One. In my opinion, one. Yep. It is... He is Vince Carter will always be the most talented Raptor, but career everything. No, let's do beloved. Okay. Oh, if it's just beloved, okay. In my opinion, if it's just beloved, I think it is Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, yeah. one two. Like yep. we do not, we yep. cannot begin anything beyond that. After that, <sighs> I think he's three. You think he's three? I, I think he's three. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to put Vince as no. most beloved again, no. like, and and who the I hell mean, knows honestly, what to do with the Kawhi? Yeah, well, I I put him three. You put Kawhi three. I do. He's the single. 
like say what you will love it. I, I don't love know. Kyle Lowry. Say what you will about him. I have very different feelings about Kyle Lowry as a Raptor. If Kawhi Leonard never ceases or never exists. So I think you kind of have to put him three. No, I'm going to leave Kawhi entirely off he the list as far exist. as no, he's not beloved. Like I, I, I guess we're getting into semantics here, right? Like, you, like the greatest Raptor of all time is Kawhi the, Leonard. But did you love the championship? Sure. Is sure, he sure, the sure. reason it happened? Yeah. Okay. But we're talking about the player, right? I, okay. Then if we're going to remove Kawhi and maybe this is just uh, like if I'm not putting Pascal Siakam three is basically what I'm telling you I'm going to put Fred Van Vliet three because I will when I think of that run I will think of him walking out of Oracle with the chip tooth mm-hmm. talking on the phone and bleeding out of his eye on the floor there and the birth of Freddie Jr. and him turning into a completely different guy and flame shooting out of everywhere he is just such a part of that run and not I don't want to minimize what Siakam did mm-hmm. but he was pretty clearly the third, fourth guy on that run. So, yeah, it's it's Lowry DeRozan, one, two. And then for me, beloved Raptor, I go Van Vliet, three. I do. He he chose to leave. I know. He left physically yeah. in, in free agency. Yeah. Raptors didn't pony up the extra year. Yep. As a ton of money. Yeah. He left in free agency. From the jump, he told us, bet on yourself. Yeah. It's his whole thing. No, I'm just I'm making the counter yeah. argument. Hey, that's fine. Like, you, you, I am, if someone wants to tell me they have Siakam ahead of Van Vliet for all those reasons, mm-hmm. that is totally fine. I'm telling you, when it's beloved, it is super subjective. And in my subjective world, it's Van Vliet 3. Uh, before we take a break here, we're going to talk to John Morosi about the World Series and the Rangers continuing their run uh, on the road. They have not lost on the road all postseason as they are a win away from taking the World Series. And one of the lowest rated television uh, World Series in history, like, is on on pace to be mm-hmm. the lowest rated. Is that is it Rob Manfred's fault? Well, this there's been such a run of positive mm-hmm. news stories around Major League Baseball, and aesthetically, this game looking so much better with the pitch clock, um, the thousand the, percent, the shift ban. Hasn't really been as impactful as I think no, a I lot of like, people and I feel like anticipated. I, still, I also still look at the TV and go, hey, why is that guy standing over there? Yeah. So I don't know that it did what it was supposed to. No, but. and I could have told you that it wasn't going to do <laughs> what many people I feel like a lot it, of people could have told it, us that. It's almost yeah. like they should have listened, maybe. Yeah, but it's fine. Didn't It didn't hurt the game getting rid of the shift, I don't think. But that, that's that's been the narrative mm-hmm. around the same. It's like Rob Manfred he on a it. heater. <laughs> He Look, did it. Nobody even thinks about the hunk of metal comment anymore. Yeah, He's brought think, the, think about it all game the time. back to respectability. Does this hamper it? Like, if, if we're if coming off a season where there were so many positive PR news mm-hmm. stories around baseball, if if your marquee product is the lowest rated in the history of the sport, does that take some of the shine off of it? I mean, it for sure takes some of the shine off it. I just don't know what anybody's supposed to do about it. I mean, you get compelling teams in your sport sometimes, and sometimes you don't. I mean, you know, sometimes you luck out and you get to tell the story of Tom Brady taking a Bucks team and he goes on a run. And I don't know, other times you have to talk about, you know, lesser teams that don't get you as excited in the in the Super Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady beat Jake DeLome and the Panthers in one one year. Guess what? They had to sell, find a way to sell that and get people excited about it too. So I don't think you can hold the, quite frankly, the unsexy nature of these teams against Manfred. What, what's he supposed to do? Have a have a Yankees or Dodgers clause in there that they one of them well, must you're gonna, be? You're supposed to turn the sport back into a, a, a national... Uh, a national um, product, mm-hmm. which it used to be, which the yep. NFL is, right? The NFL and the NBA to a lesser extent. NBA for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you can get matchups that aren't necessarily that don't break through. Even and last I would, year, I think I do think a lot of people went okay. Yeah, nuggets, that's, that's it. That's good, right? Nice. Jokic, that's fun. Okay. Yeah. No, it's the NFL that that rises above all else. Where it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if if the if Bryce Young was a thing and it was yeah. the Panthers in the Super Bowl, like against the the Jets, and maybe that's a bad example because mm-hmm. you know New York is, Jets. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter who it is. That everybody knows all the teams yep. and it doesn't matter how random the matchup is on a Sunday. We all consume it. There are, that's the only sport like that, right? Like they, totally. they, we're, we're moving away from the, the national pastime that baseball used to be. It is big in individual markets and you don't have to tell blue Jays fans mm-hmm. that like, look well, at the ratings that the blue Jays generate on a, on a daily basis. And look at the individual market ratings in the United States for, for baseball yeah. as well. It's just, if your team's not playing in the World Series or there's not enough of a compelling argument to be made that that's a, a major narrative storyline team, it's 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 a tough sell for the average sports fan. Yeah, no, but and it's just part of luck of the draw, though. I mean, how different would this all feel if it's Acuna, you know, and the Braves there against the, let's just keep it the Rangers. I don't even know that you need to change much there. You know, it does have a very different feel if it's mm-hmm. Betts and the Dodgers. No, the D-backs out. ruined it. They really, they really did. And <laughs> honestly, you're lucky the D-backs were in this. Because if there was not the Moreno angle of all this, it would just be a boring World Series that had no hook. And I know that Game that offends. one was great. It was. I... I watched, well, I was about to say I watched it all. I went to bed before the Rangers come back, but I was locked in, falling asleep on my couch, but locked in, uh-huh. okay? But the Moreno hook is actually like the greatest thing that has happened in this a World market. Series conversation in this market. Yeah. But but he's not, to your point, it's not Victor Wembenyama where you and I are going, I got to watch some of this Spurs game tonight. I need to see him. Brent, this is another one of the the drawbacks to having your watered-down, expanded postseason where the 84-win Diamondbacks can get in. Well, I mean, this is is part and parcel of the problem with expansion in all sports. I mean, like we talk about it with hockey. They want to expand. No. The other way, please. Obviously, it's not going to go that way, but... Yeah, you know, you know what would make us feel better about baseball is if the Pirates didn't exist and and we just had a better, we had a a kind of or not not a shallow a talent pool. But this is the world we live in. Like things are more spread out, things are more watered down. Yeah, you know why? Like Bob Ryan gushes when he talks about the the Celtics of the the seventies or the sixties. It's because we're twelve teams in the league and every guy there is going to be a Hall of Famer. Same thing with baseball writers when they're just like, all right, well, regular season's over, let's have a World Series. That's how they all sound in my head. This is this is the way of the world. Do you want to expand the you want to expand your leagues? You want to expand your postseason? It all gets more watered down. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Doesn't mean we can't appreciate things, mm. but it also means you are not getting the absolute best version of a product. Because why do we love best on best in international sports so much? It's because the fourth line, sorry, Noah Gregor, uh-huh. goes away and doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna talk about maybe not Noah Gregor, but yeah, the depth of scoring. That's that's one thing for a Leafs team. How about the the guys that are not depth scorers? How about like the top line score a five on five goal, um, and that includes you, Mitch Marner, who understands. Yeah, his role is to assist, but maybe to to put a few more pucks on goal. We'll talk about that and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan.